Submit it for the approval of the Midnight Society. Oh, joy! Let's rock! It makes me wanna fight! Dear Journal, it's me, Doug. Do you have it? A baby's gotta do what a baby's gotta do. Welcome to Splat Attack, where we're taking it back to the slime-filled past. I am your co-host, Brett. I am your other co-host, Alex, and I believe we have a special guest with us again today. Yes, we actually invited him to our Thanksgiving table, set up everything, got the turkey on, and um, he's going to join us for this feast. Uh, Guest, will you reveal yourself to us, please? Hi, my name is Joey Album. I'm the animator, one of the animators for Thanksgiving feast, and the turkey is delicious. Awesome. I'm glad we cooked it to your liking. <laughs> yes. Um, slaved, on, slaved on it all day. Pretty much. Yeah, it's it's not easy. But we're here today to talk about Nick's Thanksgiving Fest, which is a unusual bit of Nickelodeon uh, animation. Well, not necessarily animation, but like a, a piece of history because it predates the Nicktoons era before, you know, Nickelodeon was known for original animation content. Uh, so it's kind of like the, the testing grounds for, you know, creative ideas to kind of get their footing. And uh, I know Vanessa Coffey uh, produced this was like one of her big jobs when she came over to Nickelodeon and worked with you, Joey, as well as um, two other people who did the other animated segments, which we'll talk about later. Um, would, would you like to share any comments or memories tied to uh, the Thanksgiving Fest before we kind of dive in? Uh, I mean, you, you have it pretty correct. It, it, it fell between doing IDs for them and doing working on a pilot for their Nicktoons. So I think it was kind of their way of testing the waters and also getting their feet wet with animation, longer form animation production. It was a good way to see how how like you know short short form animation can expand to a half hour, and if it worked for them, then they can do, you know, more of that. So that's what we ended up getting, and uh, you know, I think whether people know about it or not, or you know, appreciate it or not, it's it's still an important part of Nickelodeon history. Um, so for those who don't really know about it too much, we'll uh, we'll shed some light on the subject tonight. Uh, so beginning with the air dates, uh, I actually found out that there are three dates uh, from 1989, where we have Wednesday, November 22nd at 7 p.m., Thursday, November 23rd at 1 p.m., and Friday, November 24th at 4 p.m. So pretty much, you know, all around Thanksgiving. And uh, this was from the Daily Herald newspaper that I looked up in the archives. And I believe that this also re-aired almost every year until like... 96. Yeah, which is surprising. And that's how I found out about too, because I first saw it like in between some Nicktoons while I was waiting for my family to set the table at my grandmother's house. I I was uh, in second grade at the time, and I really was drawn in by like the animated style of your uh, cartoon segments, actually, Joey. So, you know, there's a little bit of a connection there for inspiration for what I do. (laughs) And I I think it, it, you can find it on the web, right? Or on YouTube yes. a little bit? Yep. Yeah, it's, uh, you can find it on YouTube. Uh, you can find it on archive.com. Uh, there was a, was it .com or is it .org? Archive.org, yes. .org. But there, there are a couple places that you can find it. Yeah, it's accessible. 
I think we'll just uh, mention a few things here before we go over the plots of the different segments, because uh, what what next Thanksgiving's fest is comprised of is essentially um, two like around 10 minute cartoons. There's Thanksgiving dream, Thanksgiving nightmare. And then there's the the in between indents um, called Thanksgiving USA spots. And there's like three per like in between segments. So it rounds out everything very nicely. Um, so you get a good variety throughout the half hour. What I remembered was uh, also that my my segments kind of re reminded me of a classic 1940s Warner Brothers cartoon where they would do those kind of like trip to the zoo. Mm -hmm. And then it would be a whole bunch of gags around like going to a zoo and the funny animals. And uh, I, I kind of like that that format. Yeah, it's fun. It's quick. It uh, It's very eye catching. And, you know, it's it's just fun to watch so i'm definitely with you there and who knows maybe it would have uh, been the inspiration for some of your later works like uh zunatics when that aired on the what a cartoon show on cartoon network yeah definitely definitely um just a little bit of trivia about nick's thanksgiving fest before we dive in i i did notice you know as alex mentioned before that this aired reruns until 1996 and i thought it was interesting that uh, the Nickelodeon president at the time, Geraldine Laybourne, left her position and shifted to the Disney ABC network at the time. So it seemed like there was a changing of the guard in 1996 as uh, Herb Scannell mm -hmm. came in to take over her place. Uh, other than that, uh, the only other holiday special produced in the same vein uh, as this Thanksgiving one was a half-hour animated pilot called Christmas in Tattertown, which aired on December 21st, 1988, a year before, and was directed by Ralph Bakshi which is pretty interesting because he's known for like um, Wizards Fritz the Cat. and Fritz the Cat, more yeah, adult-oriented cool animation, that kind of yeah. thing. So uh, it, it first opens up with like, um, like a presidential sounding theme and we're in a classroom and there's a narrator who's talking about Thanksgiving and how it's like a special holiday that people often remember. And we kind of zoom in into the camera where we see like a big turkey drawn on Thanksgiving on the calendar. And then I believe it um, cuts to like a turkey walking as the narrator's trying to interview the turkey, but he ends up running away, which I thought was pretty hilarious. And pretty much all, most of the USA segments were all centered around trying to ask a turkey a question. Yeah, yeah, that was running. That was the running gag throughout each uh, three batches of segments mm. throughout the episode. Um, and I think, do you remember the third one before it starts Thanksgiving Nightmare? Uh, it was it the... Cram, cranberry. Oh yes, yes, I love that one a lot. Do you I think remember? That was my favorite one. Do you remember anything about uh, animating those segments, Joey? The one thing that always comes back to me was at that time it was still all ink and paint, so we were. Uh, it was a lot of work, you know. It was hand inking on cells and then painting the cells and filming them under an oxberry and you know transferring the film to tape. So it was very labor intensive, and it's a lot easier now yeah thanks to uh modern advancements in technology most people who animate nowadays just do it all within the computer but i still have a respect for the craft because um for those who don't know i have a animation degree from rochester institute of technology and i actually majored in 2d animation so some of our classes actually required us to do the old-fashioned uh ink and paint you know form oh, with wow. uh what, what's it called acetate or cellophane what that like yeah. clear translucent paper they called it cells, yeah. Yeah, and we used like a downshooter camera and I just remember being like, wow, this is a lot of effort <laughs> that doesn't see, yeah. it, it seems very effortless on the TV by comparison. So 
the point I'm trying to make is that I developed a whole new appreciation for it as a result of doing it. Do you remember but, how many cells you had to draw per for per second of film? Shot everything on two. So so uh, in it was twelve, usually around twelve drawings per second. Okay. And you know you try to uh, reuse some stuff and have some animated cycles and cut some yep. corners. Yeah, walk yeah. cycles and stuff like that. Most people don't notice unless you're in on it. <laughs> yeah. Thanksgiving Nightmare is written and directed by Kevin Altieri, who is a storyboard artist for Batman the Animated Series, The Real Ghostbusters, and later Pearl Jam's music video for their song, Do the Evolution. You can check out all 51 of his credits over at IMDb, where he's still storyboarding, directing, and editing to this day. And that's pretty impressive because uh, quite a few people who started on this next Thanksgiving fest have gone on to do great things. Not only um, yep. Kevin and Vanessa, but you know various other people we'll get to as well. And even Geraldine Laybourne, because this was at the the beginning of her her run of the uh, running Nickelodeon uh, right after Cy Snyder mm-hmm. uh, stepped down. How hands on were you with the other two with the with the two big stories that were involved in the show? Yeah, I wasn't involved at all with those, although I did uh, at the end, I did go out to California to mix the audio for mine. We mixed uh, the others at the same time, although I think the third one was not actually ready yet. So we only mixed the, the very first segment at that time. Yeah, I'm wondering if that had to do with something with the fact that uh, Thanksgiving Dream kind of had this weird like flashback storyboard sequence for like the first mm-hmm. two minutes of it, where it's just like, cross dissolves between different illustrations instead of what you would expect, which is more fluid animation and lip sync and that sort of thing. Back in the 90s, there were these storyboard, not necessarily storyboard, but they were stories that were told by famous celebrities, but the, the pictures were all still, like there was a Pecos Bill one that was read by Robin Williams and uh, How the Leopard Got His Spots by Danny Glover. And it was just a still and then they would transfer from one still to the next. And that's what the first two minutes of this reminded me of, just with this uh, antique filter that was put on top of them. Yeah, yeah, it was interesting. Yeah, I could remember uh, actually going with Vanessa uh, when I went out to California, going with her to the airport to pick up film that had been sent for the first segment. So that, that one was all finished overseas. Yeah, a lot of animation is outsourced to um, Korea or similar countries out east uh, to get just a lot of that grunt work done, like the in-between mm-hmm. frames, the, the keyframes, all that stuff. Well, it's mostly in-between frames because the keyframes are made by the animation director so that the, the in-betweeners know what to follow when they're filling in the gaps and how to like follow the motions and things like that for um, you know the characters acting and the flow of the pacing of the story and whatnot. Thanksgiving... Nightmare, as we mentioned, was written and directed by Kevin Altieri. And this one was essentially about uh, a Thanksgiving dinner that was left unattended after a family went out to walk after essentially eating too much. Who goes for a walk after you're done eating a Thanksgiving dinner? Yeah, yeah, I was like, that was a little contrived but you know i went along with it. <laughs> usually usually people just kind of plop onto the sofa yeah. and turn on football exactly. uh, i was just a classic you know post thanksgiving couch nap is what most people go into that food coma mm-hmm. yes i did find it really interesting uh that the humans 
because a lot of the old Bugs Bunny and Looney Tunes characters, uh, they, they always saw just the legs of the characters. Yeah, and right. I know that Roger Rabbit, at the very beginning segment where it was the mom, was took heavy influence from it. But just that style of the of the size of the legs reminded me more of Roger Rabbit than it did of Looney Tunes. Yeah, it definitely but, had uh, like a, a classic 1940s feel to the animation yes. style yeah, here. Maybe even a, a tad bit of Tiny Toon Adventures too, because they have this very specific, like, curvy style to it that feels old-fashioned. Yeah, yeah, and of course that 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 all goes back to the old '40s cartoons and stuff like that. But that was cool. Yeah. Do you remember after they had dessert, or I'm sorry, after they had their Thanksgiving dinner and was going to go for a walk, where they were going to go for dessert? Dairy Queen. Did they actually say Dairy Queen? In they there? said Dairy Queen. I hope Dairy Queen got royalties for that. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, nothing like um, a cherry dip Sunday to wet your appetite. <laughs> yeah, I used to go to Dairy Queen a lot uh, during hot summers back in You're the day. Be really disappointed when they get over there and find that it's closed for Thanksgiving. Yeah, All right. right. So, anyways, while they're out of the house, that pretty much leaves an opportunity for havoc to happen due to um, not only a pack of mice that are living in the walls, but also uh, kind of a, a pack or a horde of roaches too that are kind of warring against each other to see who can get more of the Thanksgiving food. For like the next 10 minutes or so, we essentially kind of just see them strategize, you know, in their, in their factions, um, you know, kind of plan things out. And then while they distract the cat, who's like totally an innocent bystander in this in this cartoon, by the way, he's totally clueless. I, I kind of feel bad for him, but we'll talk more about that later. Yes. Yeah, uh, essentially, they they kind of just set up all their all their like utensils and mousetraps and stuff like that to launch themselves onto the table, grab as much food as possible, um, just you know like a free for all of leftovers essentially. Because there are there are some like bones here and there, so it's not like that there's no food, but there's still not like a full feast here. So it was a little like kind of weird for me um it, it was still fun to see like things play out because i think at one point the cat was like sitting on this chair in the living room watching a soap opera just eating yes. popcorn <laughs> yeah right and, and then and the fact that the soap opera they were arguing with each other playfully and romantically and then she called her love interest a dingleberry <laughs> i did notice that it was kind of strange. <laughs> like what are you implying yeah. here <laughs> John, my sweet dingleberry. Uh, and it was so it was used correctly that... too uh, i i had to make sure did they use it the right way nope they did it's, which i thought was great it's so, so funny that you mentioned that because that really stands out in my mind. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, I, th I think as a general rule in the animation industry, animators really love to like sneak in jokes just for like their own amusement because obviously they'll go over most kids' heads when they watch this. And I know that really hit home for me when I watched a lot of Rocco's Modern Life growing up because they would litter like innuendos and secret jokes everywhere throughout all the episodes. Yeah, um, I ended up paying more attention to the background, to the foreground <laughs> on this one for sure. Yeah, there was a lot going on there. Essentially, after after that happens, there, I think at one point the cat retaliates by taking a vacuum and sucking like all the food and the roaches yep. and the mice up so that they're all like clustered in the in the like bag the vacuum bag yeah the vacuum bag in the back of it and then 
um, we hear a doorknob turn. So we know that they're on their way back. And then quickly, like two of the leader leaders of the mice and the roach faction quickly unzip the bag, get everything out there, dust covering everything. There's splatters on the wall for whatever reason. And they pretty much just take the food run. And then the cat's left on the floor, knocked out, um, you know, assumedly with a full belly. So he looks like he was framed. And then you know, in a few seconds, you just hear one big loud screen, which you can hear a clip of right here. Excuse me, dear. I'll take care of the leftovers. That cat got the brunt of uh, that lady's wrath because he got tossed right out of the house after that. But he did get away with one drumstick, so it wasn't totally for naught. It very much reminded me of Sylvester and Tweety. Yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. Very uh, classic tropes implied here. So that that was uh, Thanksgiving nightmare. It wasn't as nightmarish as I thought it'd be, but it was certainly like <laughs> full of action and messiness that I was not prepared for. Now, if Batchy had done nightmare, yeah. oh geez, it, it this, would have. It'd be some sort of like LSD induced trip with like flashing <laughs> strobing lights and lava lamp imagery in the background and just like people's eyes turning different colors. <laughs> um, <laughs> Moving on to the, the second segment of Thanksgiving USA spots, uh, I believe we, we see the turkeys again. Mm-hmm. You know, there's three of them that are like, you know, walking nonchalantly away from the camera. And the narrator, again, is trying to ask him like, hey, could you give us the scoop on Thanksgiving and, you know, what you're going to be doing for the holiday? And then they suddenly pop up one at a time. We're not turkeys, we're mooses. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which I thought was very cute. And then it it shifts to I believe the the rabbit in the tree who's like making a pie, and the yes. interviewer is interested in like figuring out, oh, what type of pie is that? Are you baking something for your family? And the rabbit remarks that it gets harder and harder to cook for a family every year because it keeps getting bigger. <laughs> and then we get that nice, uh, you know, rewarding pan over to like the dozens of kids just all over the place playing with toys on the dinner table. It's great. Right. And then that was a lot of fun. It was. It, it was fun to watch too. It, you know, short little bite-sized jokes. It's it really brings a lot of levity to um, you know, the more action-packed, intense segments in the in the anthology that's airing. Oh, I forgot the third one. Um, I'm sorry I'm remembering these out of order, but the first one was like a hunter who was looking for the turkeys. Yes. And then he shot something off screen with his rifle. And then the interviewer guy was like asking, well, did you, did you end up bagging Thanksgiving dinner? He wasn't specific. He didn't say Turkey. And then um, the hunter ends up pulling up a bunch of carrots with holes shot into them. Cause he's a vegetarian. <laughs> uh, who came up with the ideas for these? Did you come up with these or did someone else come up with these ideas? No, uh, they gave me the script. Yeah. I don't know who the writer was, but they came up with the ideas. I, I guess I, I may have, tweaked them here and there a bit, but it was definitely their script. I really like the the punchiness of the imagery because it really fit well with the, the fast-paced writing. I also think, I don't remember anything about it, but I also think that the narrator was just perfect. Like he had that oh, yeah. real 1940s voice. And, he did. Yep. He was actually, he actually reminded me of uh, Don Adams of Get Smart, very similar voice oh, there. Oh, you know, you're right. Yeah. I, I think that was a, a, a direction he went in. Yeah, really. It was very Don Adamsy. Yeah. I, I'm gonna screw this up, but I think the narrator's guy guy's name in the credits is like Gary Vagicio or something. Baggio, uh-huh. so, something uh-huh. along those lines. He's 
Right. He's, um, he's actually credited as navigator, which I thought was an interesting credit. Narrator. <laughs> like he's guiding us through all these different stories so we don't get lost. Right. right. <laughs> I did get during the nightmare sequence whenever they were battling and then they were all on top of the dinner table my first thought was the nick id with the picnic and all the ants were oh, just yes. exhausted oh right right, right. I, I that was my first thought when i saw that one you should play a clip of that because it's a, it's such a fun quick one to hear Yeah, those bumpers from the late 80s, early 90s were gold, including the ones you did, Joey, with the doo dinosaurs. They're a lot of fun. Oh, thank you. Not to uh, get off too much on a tangent, but um, what was it like working on those bumpers? Like, did you have any specific inspiration for the character designs or what did you have to work with from Nickelodeon? Uh, you know, those were done a little differently. So they were done through that the agency Fred Allen, which was Fred Seibert and Alan mm -hmm. Goodman. And I was working with a producer named Tom Pompasello. Um, so most of my contact was with him and, you know, I would, I would see Fred and Alan in the office, but I was mostly working with Tom and Tom had the tracks already. And then we would try and come up with something that went with the tracks. And then I, I kind of came up with this idea of dinosaurs mixed with technology. And that's sort of, I went from there. That's right. Cause they're like watching TV and they're like going on skateboards, which is very in vogue back then. So I think it yeah, was nice. Uh, the, one of them has a, a Walkman, which is very- Yep, yep the pterodactyl, <laughs> I remember. <laughs> but at the time it was a modern technology. I, and then the TV was definitely supposed to look kind of retro. Yeah. Yeah. Good times. I remember the yeah. T-Rex watching it too. Just like snapping his fingers like, oh, this is yes, sketchy. Yes, that's right. That's right. The ones that you did, they really resonated with, I, I know with Brett and with myself, you, you've done some great stuff on Nickelodeon and we it's, it's ingrained in our memory. It's heavy inspiration, obviously, for our logo, which I don't know if you had seen yet, but we, oh, yeah. we definitely borrowed some of the, some of the artwork that you had made and it, it's, it's just legendary. It really is. Oh, thank you so much. Appreciate that. Yeah, it's it's kind of nice to have it come full circle where you're you're like inspired by artists or creators of whatever walk of life growing up, and then you're getting to interact with them in real time and kind of share your yeah. own experiences growing up watching their content on TV. Um, for those who don't remember, we recently did uh, the Are You for the Dark 30th anniversary reunion mm -hmm. back in episode eight of Splat Attack. And we got to see like all the people who um, made Are You Afraid of Dark like come to life, including co-creators DJ McHale and Ned Candle. So considering both Alex and I were both uh, big fans of that show growing up and how it influenced like our interest in like kids horror, uh, it was just a treat to be able to, you know, see them in person and talk with them and just share our memories with them. Continuing. Yes. So, yeah. we, so we don't get too, too far sidetracked because we do have some <laughs> right. more questions for Joey. Yes. But Moving, our, moving right along with our um, second helping of Thanksgiving dinner, we have Thanksgiving Dream, which is, uh, it was directed by Joe Pearson and was uh, written by Terrence McDonald. And a uh, fun fact here, Terrence was also a writer for one episode of Beetlejuice, one episode of Goof Troop, and one episode of X-Men, the animated series. So he's the one hit wonder in this anthology. <laughs> um to further add, most of his IMDb credits involve co-executive producing game shows such as Who Wants to Be a Millionaire and Win Ben Stein's Money. As oh, ben Stein. 
I know. I, I love his monotone voice. It just, it's so iconic. You can't miss it. Even when he does uh, voice acting for like Duckman, it's, it's yeah. right there. Yeah. Or like he's in the mask. Um, or getting some clear eyes. Right. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As for Joe Pearson, he was the key background designer for the 1985 kids series, The Littles, the 1988 series, DuckTales, which we all know. Woo! And the weird looking spooky theme series called Gravedale High in 1990. Not to mention two episodes of Tiny Toon Adventures in 91 and 92, two episodes of Aureal Monsters in 94, and last but not least, 16 episodes of Rocco's Modern Life from 1993 to 1995. Wow. So he got around to Nickelodeon pretty well after this. <laughs> Just another trivia fact before we continue with Thanksgiving Dream. According to a newspaper clipping I found through the fandom page, uh, this next special was actually brought to you by Cinnamon Toast Crunch. And I know back then a lot of Nick specials that they did were sponsored by Sierra companies, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're centered around kids that want to get kids attention. So it'll make sense that they yeah. would be, uh, sponsor a lot of these. Eat cereal and watch our TV. Doesn't get uh, <laughs> more closer than that. <laughs> what happens in Thanksgiving dream uh, by contrast is a little bit more mellow, but then it ramps up a bit later. So it starts out with like some flashbacks about these two kids who are playing outside and they mention how it's like the Great Depression or just after it. And they're, mm -hmm. they're worrying what they're going to do for Thanksgiving because they don't have anything to eat. And fortunately, their mom is like trying her best to, um, you know, provide as a single mother, but she just can't quite make it. So she just tells her kids, you know, hope for the best and send them off to bed. And they begin dreaming a fantasy sequence. And the sequence is pretty interesting because it actually reminded me a bit of those like Tom and Jerry sequences uh, back when they would like play around in the kitchen and they'd like ice skate on the, on the floor when it was like turned to ice. And, you know, it just created a more surreal element to the kitchen where uh, you had like food and tables and all sort of like kitchen appliances coming alive just to like have a happy time, do this very elaborate, like synchronized swimming type choreography all around the kitchen, uh, including a turkey stuffing himself. I thought that was interesting. <laughs> And um, it, it brought these kids into the, the thick of the moment where they had to essentially tame this strange like yeast dough monster that risen when there was too much yeast added to the dough um, as like these weird disembodied pink gloves were cracking open live eggs and somehow like kneading it. it the, the, the logistics behind how these characters are moving and how they interact and who dies and who lives is beyond me, but it, it was definitely a sight. I got real sausage party movie vibes watching this one as an adult. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> I just had deja vu. I had a dream that you said that exact quote to me like <laughs> a week ago. Whoa. <laughs> so maybe, <sorry. laughs> may, maybe this podcast episode was my Thanksgiving dream. <laughs> uh. Or maybe this is a dream. You never know. In the end, we're all made of dreams and stardust, right? If you want to go to um, Neil deGrasse Tyson era uh, levels right. of consciousness. <laughs> but um, anyways, the kids, the kids essentially, oh, here's what they did. They grabbed a, a salt and pepper shaker and they started sprinkling pepper all over the dough as it was about like to consume them because it was like consuming everything else in the kitchen. And it started sneezing uncontrollably and somehow for, you know, it just like obliterated it and they woke up, everything was kind of back to normal. 
But uh, as we find out the next morning, when they the two kids enter the kitchen, everything is just stacked with food. I'm not even talking about a Thanksgiving turkey just on the table and you got like all the appetizers and side plates on there. There's like cabinets bursting with cans. You got drinks everywhere. You've got boxes of food everywhere. It's like someone went to um, a food pantry or like one of those food donation places, ransacked it, and then just dumped it all in the kitchen because it's like wall to wall of food. You know, that, that was interesting. It kind of felt like uh, Christmas morning, but with a Thanksgiving flair. And they ended up getting to celebrate a very pleasant Thanksgiving, the three of them together. In reality, mom went and got a job overnight and just <laughs> stacked it while they were sleeping. Either that or she found the Thanksgiving fairy and uh, told them to pay their house a visit because Santa's too busy with Christmas, so he can't help people out for other holidays. You hear that, Jack Skellington? He can't help you with Halloween, so don't bug him. <laughs> it's fairy with wings, but they're little pilgrim hats that flap. I, I like to think it's just a flying turkey, like that talking <laughs> chicken from uh, I Love Chicken and Ren and Stimpy, but it's got like, um, you know, a pilgrim hat or like a Native American headdress, and it's just flying in with its little wand. And it's like everything it touches turns to like mashed potatoes or yams or sweet potatoes or cranberry. <laughs> And everything's wonderful. Be before we uh, wrap up with the episode, we have three more Thanksgiving USA spots. So we start with uh, Thanksgiving in space, believe it or not. Oh, we have, yeah, right. Yeah, we have this uh, character who is by himself floating through his spaceship. And when the narrator asks him how he celebrates Thanksgiving, uh, he essentially demonstrates through like these dehydrated pills that he like um, puts water on with an eyedrop dropper that they all like pop into his meal that's floating around him and uh when the narrator asks well what does it taste what does thanksgiving dinner taste like in space and he's like darned if i know i've been trying to catch my food all these years because it keeps floating around and i thought that was so clever <laughs> you could have been the voice of the astronaut i probably could have i i do like <laughs> doing voice work as a hobby that's why i started a podcast so <laughs> you never know where it's going to lead but anyways, we get back down to Earth for the second segment, and we find out that uh, old grandma and grandpa have finished their Thanksgiving meal, and they're quite full from all the turkey. So as they go to rest on the couch, the, the narrator asks them, how are you going to spend Thanksgiving now? Are you going to take a nap to get rid of all that tryptophan? And grandpa's like, heck no, we're going to watch me some football. And then they just like slap on a helmet and you know get one of those like team flags, and they start doing rah, rah, rods. It's quite a fun bit. And then that's the most realistic thing of the entire show. I'd say so. <laughs> yeah. Not, not to say that we go to Nickelodeon looking for realism, but that was the <laughs> one thing that I was like, yeah, that's real. That happens. There's only two things that happen after Thanksgiving dinner. Let's be honest here. And that's falling asleep and going nuts over football. Yep. <laughs> last but not least, we have our last Thanksgiving short where yet again, we visit the turkeys in their wild turkeys. habitats. And we find out that there's four of them sitting at a dinner table and then have it all set for Thanksgiving dinner. And the narrator, you know, finally asked him, please, I just wanted to get a word with you. How do turkeys celebrate Thanksgiving? Because we don't even know what it's like from their perspective. And then one of the turkeys who's setting the table says, you really want to know? And then he removes like that, that silver like dish thing that covers the meal and it reveals a, a pilgrim who's like, Oh, were you expecting the Easter Bunny? <laughs> uh, it's a great way to end um, 
you know, just a variety of Thanksgiving cartoons that, you know, it, it, they all serve like different parts of the Thanksgiving dinner. They each brought something different to the table. And I thought it was, it's pretty delightful uh, to watch and adequately paced at a half hour show. Yeah, there was right in the middle was just this downer of emotion. Uh, if it wasn't for the USA segments, bringing keeping things lively i would have oh. found a, a, the middle portion to be really sad and depressing because mm. uh, the the beginning of the nightmare was a little contrived but you know it's who cares it's just a silly special yeah and then once they got to the, the battle it's like ooh, this is this is kind of fun i'm really enjoying this and then i felt bad for the cat with with him just getting booed in it's like oh man that that stinks and then it goes right into the depression it's like oh you're just making it worse yeah <laughs> but then it then it went with a whole tom and jerry let's just have fun and it really was fun and i really enjoyed those two segments of each of those little skits but really the usa segments were my favorite and oh, wow. if, if if the whole half hour was just more of those i'd have been just as happy those right. were the best parts of the whole the whole show. Yeah, I was the oh, same really way. Thank you. And it's not just because you're our guest. That, that, yeah. that, that's why we <laughs> asked you, because we really love those bits. Yeah, and we wanted right. to hear your take on it. Speaking of which, uh, were there any challenges that you were facing while creating these uh, Thanksgiving USA spots for the Thanksgiving Fest? I mean, uh, there's always, the, in animation, it, you're always fighting a deadline. There's always that battle of you know is it good enough you know you know potentially millions of people are going to watch it but also it has to get done at a certain time so that's something you're always you know you're looking at your pencil test and are you happy with it can you send it to production or do you want to tweak it a little more and risk getting you know falling behind yeah it's always that's a delicate a, balance you you do have to deliver on time that's that's pretty important. Yeah, because you got to get paid for your work. Otherwise, uh, <laughs> you know, it doesn't do you any good to have something perfect if uh, you can't deliver it or, you know, yeah, get a payout. Right. And yeah. build a reputation yeah. as somebody who's reliable. Yeah. And actually, yeah. you've been you've been going pretty steady with your career in animation mm -hmm. and even children's books, right? Yeah. I mean, I uh, after that, I did a, a lot of work for Sesame Street, you know, many seasons of uh, Elmo's World. I did mm. the the channel animations on the TV for Elmo's World and other projects for Sesame Street. And recently I did a stint at Frederator doing animation for YouTube for uh, like kids nursery rhymes. Um, to bring it full circle, we actually turned out a new cartoon every three weeks. You know, that's modern production and obviously mm -hmm. like limited animation and reusing stuff and you know doing things very smart and economically yeah that's that's pretty amazing to think you can turn out animation that quickly but if you got like a solid pipeline and you know the right technology on your side then it's it's possible yeah. i was pretty much the whole pipeline <laughs> <laughs> oh boy I, I relate to you on so many levels joey when i was working on my animated films in college because you know, oh yeah right you you kind of have to wear many hats and make sure that you're your own boss and keeping track of you know the deadlines and making sure all these all these aspects of it are you know where they need to be by a certain time and 
you know, if you fall behind, that's when you got to bring other people on crew to kind of help you out with right. like the coloring or the inking or anything else that's kind of tedious just so you can get it moving along. So, yeah, and uh, definitely on this, the Nick Thanksgiving Fest, I had like a team of cell painters and anchors helping me. And, you know, even though that was uh, hard and parts of it were tedious, you met a lot of great people. There was a camaraderie to it. And so, that's something that's you don't have now, but you know it's all trade-offs, I guess. Right. Yeah. I mean, technology just ma make things more convenient uh, in terms of like collaborating with people online, but it's not quite the same as being there in person with them to be able to, you know, check their work, give them feedback, you know, right. test things out for yourself. So it, it's a different mode of working, but it's it's pretty much just reflective of the times, and you know, the right people make it work no matter what the medium is or what the workflow is like. Vanessa Coffey, in another interview, not, not with us, but with someone else, had commented that the Thanksgiving Fest at the time was the one thing that they put the most money into for anything Nickelodeon-related. Did you or any of the animators ever express any pressure on wanting this to be something good and so they didn't lose money on? Uh, no, I wouldn't say that was, like, ever pressed on us, but I think I, I was pretty, I knew at the time that this had the potential to like dovetail into their doing pilots. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of like their test run. Yeah, it's interesting um, because it definitely seemed like it gave them the confidence to move forward with Nicktoons two years later as they were yep. gathering their, you know, three Titans together to show the world, hey, we're Nickelodeon and we can make original content too. We're not just, you know, right. syndicated cartoons like Count Duckula or Danger Mouse. And we're not just going to put stuff on here that's like vegetable good for you, but not entertaining. That was, you know, mostly laden in the pinball era of Nickelodeon. Yeah. We can give you right. stuff that's fun, exciting, educational, and makes you want to come back for more. And that's exactly what they did right here, yeah. um, hitting all the right buttons. And I would say, you know, Nick's Thanksgiving Fest laid the groundwork for that. It was their testing ground. Yes. They laid the foundation and that gave them, you know, maybe the fuel or the confidence or what have you they needed to take it to the next step and really open things up for all of us. Actually, do you want me to mention that quote that Vanessa Coffey said? Because I wrote it down and I thought it was pretty interest, interesting yeah, go ahead. To hear her take on it. So when um, working on Nick's Thanksgiving Fest, here's what Vanessa Coffey have to say uh, in terms of like the process and shifting gears from her previous projects. After working at Marvel Productions and on... Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, I decided to move to New York City. I didn't want to do animation anymore because that's basically toy-driven properties. And that's not what I wanted to do. I never, I had never even heard of Nick. I was without work and somebody mentioned Nick to me and I said, mm, I don't do animation anymore. But I went in anyway and I met with Debbie Beast and told her of my experience. I had quite a bit of it. And she said, we're kind of interested in getting into some animation. I met with Herb Scannell, who said, we really can't afford to do animation right now, but why don't you do a special for us while we're figuring this out? So I did the Thanksgiving special in 1989 as an independent producer at the time. And this was on decider.com. And for anybody mm -hmm. who is aware of the book Slimed, that's the interviewer. Uh, that There's a whole segment on decider.com that's about the creation of Nicktoons uh, from many of the creators and and the reason he put it there was because there was too much in the book so this is kind of a, a bonus content thing 
Yeah, it's good to hear different perspectives about uh, how, you know, shows like these came to be because we as viewers wouldn't normally, you know, see that side of it beyond what we see on the TV. Mm -hmm. um, so to have that behind the scenes look gives us a extra level of uh, understanding and appreciation. I could tell you my funny Vanessa coffee story. Yes, please. Um, so, <laughs> so when my animation was finished, they sent me out to California to work on the sound mix. But uh, I had never, it was the first time I had ever driven a car on my own. Oh boy. <laughs> because I'm from New York City. Mm -hmm. uh, and I had just gotten my driver's license. So Vanessa met me at the airport. She had a car and I had a rental car. And the idea was I was gonna follow her to my hotel. But she decided I was, there was no way I could, would survive on the highway. So she took me through the hills. <laughs> of Hollywood. So I'm like, you know, holding on for dear life, going around these turns and trying to keep, you know, it's not easy following another car also. And it's the, the first time I've ever driven alone in a car. So by some miracle, we get to the hotel. I'm basically like kissing the ground when I get out of the car. <laughs> and Vanessa looks at me and says, you've got to become more of a lead foot if you're going to survive here. <laughs> I mean, she ain't kidding about that because um, I lived in LA for about a year in 2019 and I was trying to, you know, break into Nickelodeon animation studio over there. And I was right there with you, man. The, the people who drive there, that's like super ultra advanced. They will kill you if you walk the wrong way across the street. <laughs> Once I got to the hotel, I never wanted to leave. The hotel. <laughs> yeah. I am I am done. This is I just bring the animation to me. I'm done. Yep. yep. <laughs> Can I just do it in my hotel room? <laughs> uh, well, um, do we have any thoughts before we want to give our rating for next Thanksgiving Fest? Uh no, I just I, I did have something to show you guys, but it's it relates more to the IDs. Okay. Yeah. Uh, they, I don't know if you saw this thing that Culturefly did. You know, they do these uh surprise yes. boxes. Mm -hmm. Yes, the Nick um, box, yes. They, they did a towel. Oh, wow. Based on the, uh, Love based it. On the, so cool. Yeah. You should I hang that up in your room. <laughs> so now, I thought you would get a kick out of that. Yeah. I, I, I also believe, uh, and I may have the wrong one, but uh, I believe Nostalgia Society over on Instagram, they had actually found one of the watches. And, oh. and I yeah. think they sent that to you also. And they did. I should be wearing it now, but I'm not. <laughs> but I, I remember them expressing how excited they were that they found that and they were able to get that to you. So that yeah, was really that cool. was so nice of them. Yeah, it was really sweet. If I remember correctly, I think it was a yellow or orange watch with like blue inside, and it was like a skateboarding dinosaur. Do you remember? I think it was more the the volcano. Yes. Uh, with just the characters in front. Yeah. With okay. The, with with the three uh, brontosauruses. Gotcha. Yeah, I knew it was something a, from there. Very cool. So shout out to yeah. Nostalgia Society. If you guys want some really yeah, cool content, go Definitely. go check them out. They got some great stuff. Definitely. Yeah. We should mention that listeners, for anyone who's been tuning into our episodes up until now, we now have a rating system for our episode reviews. <laughs> it took us a while, but I finally came up with something that would, you know, work for our episode review format episodes. Uh, so here's, here, we're going to give you the rundown of what it's like real quick before we give you our official rating for this episode. 
So um, what, what, what's the theme with our rating system here? Well, I mean, it's splat attack, so I got to incorporate splat into it somehow. <laughs> it, it ranges from splatastrophe, which is like a grade F, splatful, which is a grade D, splatverage, which is grade C, splatisfactory, which is grade B, splatsolent, which is A. And just to take it a few, few steps further, kind of like how the Devil May Cry video games would do it, I have <laughs> splatterific for S, Splat standing for double S and splat exceptional for triple S, aka God tier. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it'd be fun. So, um, yeah, Alex, what do you give this rating for uh, Nick's Thanksgiving Fest? Well, considering that there was I mean, for for a twenty minute, twenty four minute special, and there was a, a bit of a downer right in the middle for me, and I would have loved to have seen more of the the, the USA things. Uh, it's not as high as I would like it to be, mm -hmm. but it still was very influential on how Nickelodeon moved forward. So, I give it Splatisfactory. That's fair. I mean, it's it's not too far off from what I gave it. Um, just because I have the animation background, I was a little bit pickier. You know, I, I noticed like repeating loops, um, you know, in Thanksgiving Nightmare, they literally did not do any voice lip syncing. And I was like, oh, those those dirty cheats. <laughs> they, they didn't even make one <laughs> pair of mouth mouth lips move. Um, they all did it like off screen or like just show the legs. And for that, I got to I got to knock it down a little bit to splat fridge. Um, so, you know, it's pretty much that. And the first two minutes of like just cross dissolves or wipes of the still images and Thanksgiving dream that it, it kind of suffers because it, it breaks me out of the immersion for like the whole the whole special. But like you, I did enjoy the Joey album brand Thanksgiving USA spots the most. <laughs> so Joey, if you want to go back to Nickelodeon with this recording and tell them, hey, these guys think my stuff is pretty cool. You want to give me a series? You should do it because your stuff totally rocks. Well, thank you. I, it's uh, what, like 30 years later. <laughs> yeah, could have a comeback. Doo-wop dinosaurs get their own series. You never know. Put it on Paramount yeah. Plus with the others, people who are checking it back out for nostalgia reasons. Yeah, right. It works for me. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners at home, would you like to see Joey Alvin make an animated series for Nickelodeon in the 2020s? If so, write us at splatattack2021 at gmail.com or contact Joey Album on Instagram at the same name. But that being said, we actually have another review to do because since we did not have this format for episode five of Splat Attack, The Legend of the War Fan of the 47 Ronin, we're also going to give our rating for that too. So we're all caught up. So Alex, what would you like to give for the war fan of the 47 Ronin for your grade? Well, Legends of the Hidden Temple, it's hard to really give it a bad rating. I mean, even on some of the worst temple runs, it's still enjoyable. Uh, but that episode, and I think also because of the fact that we got to interview somebody from that one, it's splatterific, hands down. Yeah, and for those who quite quite can't follow yet that's an s rating so one step above a we love it um oh yes i'm gonna give it a splatterific rating as well because for the same reasons i love the legends i love seeing like those cool illustrations that are like straight out of a history book in the moat sequence i love the moat crossing segments um you know the temple games were really neck and neck it didn't leave me bored i thought all of the different ones they did were interesting like the 
the bouncy thing that leads to the top where they had to hit the gong and then the one where they had to like drop the rings on the pagodas from overhead uh just gotta give it to them for going all out with you know every segment of that episode and even though our guests did not make it to the temple i still found it as a sweet sweet retribution for his opponent jeremy <laughs> as he goofed up with his fatal flaw of locking the door to the tomb of the headless kings so for that entertainment value and the the stellar all-rounded experience i have to give it splatterific as well and I believe we have one last little segment to take part in with Joey. Yes. Uh, let us play one of our established segments uh, that we, you know, kind of got going in the previous episodes. Let's play This or That. This or that. This or that. Time to play This or That. So for our this or that segment, uh, we're going to give Joey some Thanksgiving-themed um, choices, and we would like to know if you'd like to prefer this or that. And Alex, you're going to play well since I'm, I'm the one asking them. Since you made the questions, I yes. will answer. Yes. <laughs> so Joey, question one, mashed potatoes or sweet potatoes? Uh, I think I'm going to go mashed potatoes. Mm. And I am in agreement. I like mashed potatoes too. I have been switching over the sweet potatoes, though, to help my eyesight so I don't have to wear glasses as often. <laughs> so I'm a little partial to sweet potatoes, but mostly mashed potatoes out of habit. Uh, question two, cranberry sauce or green beans? Well, that's a, they don't, they're not usually mutually exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> I know. But I'm, I'm not a huge green bean person, so I'm going to go cranberry sauce. And I am the opposite. I'm not much of a cranberry person, so I'll take the green beans. Interesting. For me, I got to go with the cranberry sauce, specifically the kind stuck in a can, because for some reason, I just love it jellied. Oh, I love it jellied, too. But yeah. I know it's, it's not very politically correct or, you know, people have, like the crunchy one with all the yeah. bits. But, too uh, too textured for me. <laughs> yeah, just, exactly. I, I just wanted to see it like slink right out of the can. Yes. Like, <laughs> drop and jiggle a little bit on the plate and then slice it in yeah. half with a butter knife that's how i want it i, I want it spam like <laughs> oh boy number three turkey or stuffing i don't know how you could have one without the other but uh you know i could actually uh, i'm gonna go stuffing on this one as do I. I'm not a big turkey person, but you give me some stovetop stuffing or some homemade version of it, I'm down. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I feel like if it's well seasoned and moist enough, um, you can get a lot of flavor from the stuffing. However, I'm going to have to go with turkey because <laughs> I love me some dark meat. <laughs> Question four, football after dinner or napping after dinner? <laughs> <laughs> a little of both maybe <laughs> Turn on the how about how about nap ball game yeah and then you're in a nap before you know it there you go yeah i mean you don't have to do this or that you can pick a little of both i'm just curious about everyone's answers uh alex how about you i am not a football person so i'll just look at the inside of my eyelids <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to go straight to bed after this, too, and maybe take some leftovers with me or uh, apple pie. And last but not least, uh, for question five of this or that, Thanksgiving at a relative's or Thanksgiving at home? Wow, that's actually a really interesting question, but uh, we almost always do it at home. 
it's nice to mix it up once in a while and go to somebody else's house and not have to do everything. Right. Yep. Yeah. Good answer. How about you, Alex? My, mine really is a bit of both being that we have two families that we got to go to. We have uh, my, wife's family, my wife's family and my family, even though Thanksgiving is only one day, it's split between two days. And for one family, we have it here at home with the relatives here. And then another, we go over to another family's house and have it with them. But we've never really had Thanksgiving at home, just the immediate family. It's always with relatives. Interesting. Yeah, it, it seems like an appropriate time to get together with them, you know, during this time of year, just to like hang out, catch up and pig out on turkey. Um, for me, I'm actually going to, I'm, I'm leaning towards a mix of both, but really, you know, in my heart, I'm going to say Thanksgiving at my relatives, because I have these fond memories of my family, like throwing a bunch of stuff into our um, car and then driving up to Vermont from Connecticut, because, you know, I grew up in New England. And we would drive up to like northern Vermont on top of this mountain called Fat Mountain. And my my dad's sister and his, her husband uh, had this really cool like mountain house that just had a big living room uh, on the side of it. So usually, you know, all of my relatives on my dad's side would drive up and we'd have like a table that was at least like 12, 13 feet long and we'd all set it together. And, you know, we'd have the TV in the corner just in case anyone wanted to go there afterwards. And I just remember just having a lot of fond memories of going up there, seeing everyone working in the kitchen, setting everything up and just spending time together. And that's something I don't necessarily do as often uh, as I did back then in the 90s, but I definitely remember and cherish the memories still today. But actually, before we go, I have one uh, more thing to add. We actually have a Nick News update that I really want to add because it happened to hit me yesterday when I was doing my notes. So as uh, in episode five of the Legends of the Hin Temple reboot, we see an old friend return to compete on the show. As mentioned in the previous Splat Attack episode, 20 most memorable temple runs, our number 12 spot on the list for the episode Henry VIII's Great Seal featured a Silver Snakes contestant. <laughs> yes. Uh, Featured a Silver Snakes contestant named Nick, who was scared right out of the temple from the Tomb of the Ancient Kings. Everyone remembers that moment, whether you listened to our episode or just saw it on TV back in the 90s. Now, it looks like he and a fellow Legends alumni, a green monkey named Josh, are back at it 20 years later. On behalf of us Legends fans at Splat Attack, we congratulate both Nick and Josh for getting back on the show to get their uh, redemption 28 years later. They're both now blue barracudas competing for the grand prize uh, in Olmec's temple. And you can find the episode titled the 10,000 year necklace of Rama episode on demand for your local cable provider to see how far they make it in the competition. And I might add, along with a surprise guest waiting for them in Olmec's temple. <laughs> so pretty, pretty fun stuff. I know we got some legends runoff here and we probably won't go to legends for a while because we got a lot of more fun filled uh, deep dives for 90s Nick content. But uh, Joey, Alex, thank you so much for being here tonight. It was a blast. Yes. Thank you, Joey. Very, very much. Yeah, guys, thanks so much for having me. And I wish both of you a very happy Thanksgiving. Thank you. Happy thank Thanksgiving. 
Happy Thanksgiving to you as well. And happy Thanksgiving uh, out there to you, Slimesters and Gakoids, however you choose to spend it and whoever you choose to spend it with. Um, just as a closing, you can follow us at Splat Attack Podcast on Instagram. Feel free to reach out to us via DM or email at splatattack2021 at gmail.com. Uh, send us your questions. Uh, talk to us about some of our previous episodes. And if you like the content that we're creating for you guys, feel free to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. You know, leave us five stars, Podbean, whatever, you name it. Wherever we are, just let us know that you're there and you're listening. And uh, tune in next time as we invade our classroom with Nick Takes Over Your School, a day trip that'll curb your November slump with a slime-filled pick-me-up. Alex, if you will, <laughs> let's drain the slime tank and head on home. Aye, aye, cool captain. Splat you later. Reprise the theme song and roll the credits. Hard to believe, folks, but it's time to say goodbye. Nighty-night. Hey, check us out next time for more adventure and another great legend of the Hidden Temple. What will we do till then? Chill for a couple. We'll be back. You're on, Nick. And it was time for the superhero to move on. I declare this meeting of the Midnight Society closed. Oh, bye-bye.